Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, I could speak with Philip Morgan, now, I've been following Philip's story for over a year now. I've been uh, reading his PMC daily uh, emails, and we had a chat last year. And uh, I was actually introduced to him by my good friend, Fouad Kamal, who is also on this episode, uh, who is also on this podcast. We talked about cycling. But I was like, you know, I've been getting so much value from these emails, and um I like the way Philip thinks, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I had to talk with him. So why don't I bring him on the podcast? And Philip graciously accepted the invite. Philip, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Junaid, it's great to be here. Good to talk to you today. Fantastic. I love it. So some of the things that Hacks and Hobbies is around is, like I mentioned, in the green room. I picked up that green room term from being interviewed by a good friend David <laughs> yesterday. And he's like, in the green room, we had this talk. Like, nice. green room. <laughs> so in the green room, we, we talked about, you know, the different struggles that I've been going through, the many different things that I have been involved in and just getting my feet wet into these things. And that's one of the reasons why I have the podcast, Hacks and Hobbies, because I have a ton of hobbies and I... I'm always learning about new things and trying my hand at it. Um, one of the new hobbies that I picked up this year is acting. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to, you know, to do, lucky enough to do two commercials, paid commercials. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's... Like TV commercials? Like TV commercials. One of oh, them wow. is uh, Kaiser Permanente. I, ha- I still haven't seen their stuff. They said it was going to be online. Um, I think that was le- late last year. And then a couple of months ago, I, I was in this commercial for, uh, for a IRA or a retirement ad or a company that sells, um, retirement products or uh, investment products that you can use. So that was a wow. excellent experience. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm involved in so many different things and I was, talking to Philip in the green room, like, you know, how do I, how do I get to the point where I start monetizing? Like, what do I do? And sure, I have had experience as a user experience designer, and that's a place that I'm trying to get back into to help other companies and enhance their user experience. But then it's, it's all comes down to, okay, what am I really passionate about? What do I want to do for the next 10, 15, 20 years of my life, even if I have that? Yeah. And Philip had some good good points. You know, just figure out what works and what's going to get you paid tomorrow or what's going to get you paid in the next couple of weeks. Uh and and it's it all comes down to okay, just focusing sitting down and spending that hard work time to put the things together. And and we have talked about these things um, on the podcast with other entrepreneurs and they said 
almost the same thing. And it's all it comes down to how you manage your time. So one of, one of the things that I like to ask my guests is tell us a version of your journey that no one's ever heard before because there's, there's a story that you tell that you tell your people or tell your audience and tell your followers, you know, this is my story. This is how it came up. And then it, over time it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So what's that journey for you, Philip? That's the opposite of a legend, right? Like a legend yeah. becomes bigger and bigger each time it's told. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So what a shame that we uh, we go the other way when mm-hmm. we be trying to create a legend. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about your question as you were saying it and mm-hmm. going, wow, that's, I, I'm not trying to psych myself out here, but yeah, yeah. I, I email an, an email list. Um, I've been doing this for three years since mm-hmm. mid-January 2016. Mm-hmm. So three and a half years. Yeah. I recently changed how I was doing the list, but for most of those three years, it was, you know, five days a week, I was trying to write something worth reading. Mm. And that kind of puts me at a disadvantage when it comes to telling a story no one's heard. <laughs> because <laughs> you know, Telling uh, parts of my own story through yeah. that email list, not every time mm-hmm. that would get monotonous, but I've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned at some point that I was so bad at self-employment that um, my wife and I were selling like pieces of furniture mm-hmm. to make mortgage. Um, this was early on in my self-employment career, which began in 2008 when mm-hmm. I got laid off. A lot of, a lot of other people that the same company got laid off because the company yeah. was not doing very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that to me is such a vivid picture of um, (laughs) incompetence and desperation mixed together. Um, And I stuck with it. And I've often wondered why, because, you know, I have, or I I had more marketable skills Mm -hmm. because I was doing things like copywriting and writing white papers and that sort of thing. Yeah. Why did I stick with it? Like I could have, had a job, but it seemed like it was this thing I just had to figure out. Um, I'm kind of obstinate that way. Yeah. I have been for a long time. I got into the college um, that I got into, which was uh, this college called Davidson College in North Carolina, mm-hmm. a, a semi elite um, liberal arts school. And the reason I even applied was someone told me that they didn't think I could get in. <laughs> and I said, we'll see about that. I mean, watch to myself, me, watch me do it. Yeah. And I did, you know, I applied, I got in and then I called the guy and I said, I got into Davidson college. And then I think I just hung up on him. So, uh, <laughs> I've always been obstinate and, um, maybe that has something to do with what is now starting to become something of a success story. Like, um, there's still plenty of room for me to grow as a self-employed person, but I feel like I've figured out some of the basics and now people, you know, pay me to give them advice on, on doing that. So it feels like it's getting closer to something you could call a success story. Nice. That's, that's a pretty amazing. And, and, um, you know, everybody has those, 
layoff stories where they got laid off because the company was not doing good. Yeah. And same similar thing happened to me around the same time, probably happened to you 2008 or mm-hmm. 2010. And oh, you hung um, on for a few more years after I did. Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> you must have had um, a more valuable skill. Well, well <laughs> uh, it was it was multiple. Like, a, it's funny. Like most companies I've lasted back then it was like two years or so, two and a half years. Yeah. And um, this specific one. Um, I simply got laid off because I was in touch with a previous CEO. And um, back then we would print our, you know, driving directions onto the printer. And I had printed it to the, you know, main network printer. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the current CEO saw the direction. He's like, I know who, they, who works over there. So oh, that's hilarious! Come, yeah. you were shopping around for another job. No, it was, it was just an introduction. It was just an intro meeting. Like I knew okay. the guy from before, and he's like, "Hey, what are you working on?" He's like, "Hey, come check out my stuff." So he's like, he the next day he comes to me. He's like, "Hey, um, I saw that you went and saw our the previous CEO." It's like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I met him. You know, he's just joined me around." He's like, "Well, you can't work here anymore." <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I was like, "What?" And, and uh, I was like, okay, sure, um, if that's what you want. But lucky for me, when I joined that company in 2005, um, the president who had who had signed up my contract did the contract of a founder. So I had 60 days that still had to pay me. <laughs> oh, before they, you know, before I could get fired, or, or best basically, that was my that was the. Severance, severance, yeah. severance package. You know, two additional months. So I was like, "All right." Um, and I didn't find that out till later. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's that sounds like a, like an HR oversight. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, when they were starting back in '05, they were a very you know small company. There was like ten of us. Yeah, and uh, they were just getting the business of. They had just finished R and D on this new product. That's, that's going to go in the hotel industry. So it was a hotel industry and all those systems that you, when you, whenever you go visit a hotel, they have their, their specific DVRs or specific units. So you would go through their guide and you have a limited number of channels that are available. So that was one of the products that they had built and they had a video on the mass system in the back. Anyway, so they were just starting up and I got lucky mm. and I had some experience in that area. Working for another. so, anyways, it was it was just fun. And then the, the second time I got laid off was uh, the company was doing great, and they're a web marketing company. And uh, they were like, "We're gonna hire another CEO because they he can make us he can help us go public." And you know, any any time you hear that now, I mean. Any time I hear that now, it's like, okay, I know there's something fishy going on. There's something mm-hmm. has to be. And one year down the road, the company just was not doing that well. The stocks were diluted by this new CEO. We had like 110 people let go. Mm. And uh, I was part of that group as well. Yeah. But what's, what's crazy is that, you know, um, luckily I was able to get back on my feet and, you know, find another job for in the UX area. 
but this time around having, you know, so many years of experience and not able to show it, I guess, on paper mm-hmm. or not, not, not on paper, but on um, a portfolio style. Right. Like maybe, maybe I need to do something else. And that's, and it's been, you know, the reason, the entire reason I started the podcast is because I wanted to do something other than what I was already doing. I mean, it's not, I can use that experience and mend something, come something out of it. And when you mentioned, you know, you have copywriting experience, well, that's an amazing experience to have because copy is always going to live on. Content is king. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. You know, as, as I'm curious if you see this, see it this way, you know, when you're thinking about that transition. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a spectrum on the one hand, there's things that people are already paying for. They already value. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's things that people will pay for once they understand how to value it. And, you know, I think like about the, about, you know, maybe the first smartphone when it was introduced being on that, that far end of the spectrum where, yeah. When you look at the overall uh, human population, they looked at that and they were like, that is expensive and um, hard to understand. And like, I just can't imagine why I would need that. The phone I have now works fine. <laughs> I don't need to um, browse the internet on my phone. I have a computer for that. Yeah. And then, you know, 10 years later, it seemed like everybody uh, wanted one of those things. Yeah. But, you know, the companies had to get through that. <laughs> I'm sort of doing a hand-waving explanation here. I don't know if it was exactly 10 years, but companies had to get through that 10-year period. Yeah. If you're an individual, that's harder because, well, what do you do? Um, I guess you can get funding for your idea. Mm -hmm. But if you're more like operating on the self-employed service provider and you have this entrepreneurial idea, how do you cross? I mean, Jeffrey Moore would say, how do you cross that chasm? You know, how do you get from the people who get it now, which is a tiny minority to this broader acceptance of the thing. So it's easier just to start with the thing that people already understand and value, which in your case might be the UX skills, right? Yeah. But it sounds like you're also kind of, you've got at least one eye, maybe one and a half eyeballs on that far end of the spectrum. And (laughs) you're like, well, what what of these other interests could I, nurture into something that produces good revenue. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And one thing that, that I find myself into is I'm always looking at what's happening this week rather than what should happen in the next two years. Like I am not a far sight thinker. It's just like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do next month or what am I going to do next week? Unfortunately, I, I, have that um, trouble of looking too far ahead, but I love ideas. I mean, I live on ideas. I'm always consuming ideas and what they can do for the future. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword because what's funny is my wife is telling me, so she's a far thinker Mm -hmm. and she was having a conversation with uh, her coworker and her coworker was like, you know, I wonder if, if the airline will 
let me take uh, my carry-on on board. If it's you know one inch shorter on the long side and one inch wider on the wide side, would it still go? <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, are you going on a vacation?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going on a vacation in August." And he's visiting the website for the airline to try to figure that thing out now. Yeah, you know, back in June, and that's like, that's that's pretty far out thinking. And she's like, you know. It freaked her out a little bit. And then she's like, now I understand why people freak out when she's thinking like two months ahead of time. <laughs> you know, I had a funny, very similar realization. I was in the shower the maybe two, three mornings ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of saw in a visual format, like a heat map. Like if you took a timeline and then did a heat map of where my attention is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a split thing. So uh, there would be like a, a, a big red sort of heat spot on the heat map over uh, today and tomorrow, right? Yeah. Very short-term, very immediate. And then the other and the only other big red spot on the heat map would be uh, five to 10 years out. Mm. So I immediately realized why I don't take enough vacation it's because <laughs> no one plans. I mean, not no one, but yeah. most vacations are not planned five to 10 years out. Mm-hmm. That's just too far out to yeah. like really plan a vacation. Yeah. You might aspire to yeah. know, a mountain or you might have like a sort of vision of the future, but you're not actually planning. You're not yeah. saying, okay, on this date, I'm going to leave. And on this date, I'm going to do this. And so there's this weird gap <laughs> between, you know, like three days out from today yeah. and five years out from today where I just don't think much about that time period. It's going to happen in the and middle. I would really love for other people to do a heat map like that so I can understand uh, basically how weird am I? It's not a question of am I weird? It's just mm-hmm. a question of like how weird am how I? How weird, yeah. That's, <laughs> so that's it sounds weird. like your heat map is... Is very similar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a really <clears throat> that's a really that's a really great way to think about it. It's like, and I think it it all it comes to it all comes down to what we do as creators. Mm-hmm. Right, you write copy. I design stuff, and most like the need for these things is very immediate. Somebody needs a copy tomorrow. Somebody needs this design tomorrow or next week. So that's the span of how far we can think about. My wife's job, like she is a project manager. Mm. You know, she's, she has to project, project these projects and yeah. figure out when they're going to launch, when the, when the, you know, and then she's doing a lot of planning with, with all the people and the developers and whatnot. So they have to work on something called like a Gantt chart style. Okay. Yeah. This, this planning stage this is initiation. This is the execution. This is the, you know, this is when it's going to deploy. So they have to already think in those terms. And what's interesting that I've realized is I've seen a lot more women. I've, I've experienced a lot more women in the role of project planning and project management than men. I'm sure there's a lot of men in that role and I've worked with very few of them. But a lot of times 
I've seen that, you know, and it maybe comes inherent with their ability to multitask. That could be. Could be. Yeah. I um, try to be careful about generalizations. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, yeah, the project manager just cannot afford to have that kind of gap Mm -hmm. in in how they think about the future. They can't say, well, we're going to focus on the next week and then five years from now, because that gap in the middle is critical (laughs) when you're planning a project. And maybe I'm not a very effective project manager of my own life. Um, I'm in the same boat. I would be willing to admit that if that's true. Um, Or, you know, again, I just would love to see people who have had some success as an entrepreneur do that heat map. And then people who've had some success maybe working in like a more traditional corporate environment. Yeah. And just like, are there systematic differences or is it just random? I would love to love to be able to see that. Well, here's what we can do to get that heat map going. Maybe have a form of some sort where people can fill in what they think. So then we can mm-hmm. form our own heat map for people like, Hey, Figure out your next 10-year heat map. What are you thinking about today? What are you thinking about tomorrow, next week, one month? And then I think it'll kind of push us in the direction of trying to think in those terms versus what, and and I'm sure you have a list of people that fall into many, many of these categories and they can actually fill out that form and give you that information that you might be looking for. One of the interesting things I've done recently is, um, is a small scale study of how self-employed software developers think about investing in their career or not just think about it, but how, how do they actually do that? Yeah. And I recruited a small sample from LinkedIn and recruited a somewhat larger, but still small sample from my email list. And it was has been very interesting. I'm not done with this study yet, but it's been very interesting to compare the two. And there are real differences. So I could probably do the same thing again, but you know, with a different question, which is, um, yeah, that brings up some real interesting survey design issues. But the, the main question is like, where is your attention focused when you're yeah. thinking about the future? Yeah. Um, so that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'm a, uh, I'm likely to do something about that. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would love to see those results and and I'm sure you can, you can, uh, you know, publish that as a paper, a white paper or something like, Hey, this is where people's attention span fall based on their job title or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Trying to correlate it with some other factor would make it even additionally interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, this is the kind of thing I could go broader with. Yeah. Um, I could survey a lot of different sample groups. And so a tool like Google Surveys, not Google Forms, but their paid survey tool. Oh, okay. Could be a real interesting way to expand the data set. Now you've got some gears turning here, Junaid. Thanks for that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing that, uh, that we use as user experience designers is there's a whole set of tools that, for example, um, there's a tool called TreeJack. And in it, you basically lay out your information architecture for your website. And 
you put in information. So you basically input this data into the program and then you ask questions and then show them how would you get to this spot? And this is DIA for you to search for it. So it basically helps the user, the UX team to figure out if the IA or information architecture architecture that they have designed accurately maps to their thinking and helps the user get to the point that they're thinking about faster. So That's fascinating. Do they recruit people for you to give you the feedback or do you do that part yourself? So, TreeJack. Well, well, TreeJack is just a software. Okay. And so, so UX people will go in there and then you're already working at a company. Mm-hmm. So you will recruit, you know, users in the company. For Got example, it. the the test that we did was, you know, the HR site was convoluted. So mm-hmm. we did a, a, a design of the IA structure inside here, what it currently was. And we brought in a whole bunch of people and we basically set up laptops in the cafeteria area and then had people, hey, come do this little thing. You get a free, you know, drink voucher or something. Got it. Or, you know, yeah. you get you get something. So they, they have some incentive to, you know, actually take that survey. And it, it probably took them five to 10 minutes to take the survey. And um, now when we look at the results, we can see, okay, people were having trouble getting this type of information from this area because they thought it was here, but it should have been over there kind of thing. So it gives, fascinating. It gives you a lot of great, you know, data back. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that kind of um, stuff can be done um, for your purposes. I mean, it's an open software and there's a lot more tools than just TreeJack. I mean, there's this immense amount of tools just around user experience Mm-hmm. Because it it helps figure out the psychology of you know our users and you know products are meant to design for users uh, unless it's a, it's a device that is created just out of pure innovation like the iPhone introduced back in two thousand six and everybody was like blown away like holy smokes <laughs> right yeah. when when in january of 2006 steve jobs you know he's like it's got music it's got internet it's got email music and he just kept repeating and it's like it's a single device <laughs> mm-hmm. and, every, and and what was interesting you know when you were mentioning earlier about people having to spend that much money on it on a single device well while we have a smartphone Right. I, I remember very clearly before the iPhone came out, I had the same phone for three years. For three years, I had the same phone. Yeah. And I never had to take it in to get it repaired. I never had to do any of that, right? It just worked. Um, I might have uh, spent some time with the software, you know, trying to hack the software, trying to get some applications on it, but that was about it. When the iPhone came out, the first one was six hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, and then later on years, you know, we had the subsidized option, but now people are spending anywhere from you know nine seven hundred fifty dollars to twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollars on a single device, 
that they're going to get rid of next year. <laughs> and people lined up on the sidewalk. Oh, yes. To, Everybody lined up. To be able to, uh, you know, be one of the, the first to spend $650 for a thing that most of the other people in their life did not understand, did not value in the same way. Yeah. And thought was just crazy that you would do that. Mm-hmm. They stood they lined up on the sidewalk to, uh, to do that. So it's really fascinating to think about those kind of entrepreneurial wins. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not the only kind. There are much, I think, much more, um, I mean, to be blunt, much more boring entrepreneurial yeah. wins. Yeah. But they still have the same, um, the same sort of uh, contours of not everybody gets it. And no, absolutely. And it just it takes something pretty a pretty interesting combination of factors to to get to that kind of success. But it's you know again, there's things people are buying today that they value today. And um, you know, if you were someone who just happened to get like a, a data science degree, it's interesting to me because now, I mean, like right now, that's mm-hmm. a red hot. Um, skill or expertise or whatever. Yeah. But you would have possibly made the decision to get that PhD mm-hmm. before it was red hot. Yeah. Um, and so, the, you know, the lead time that you would need to acquire that skill is so significant that there's just no way you could have known yeah. that it was going to be a desirable skill. So it's really interesting to look at those cases and you kind of have to, I think, say that was more luck than anything else. Yeah. You know, a, a data scientist now who's doing some work that's highly valued, I'm not sure they could attribute their financial success to foresight or good planning or, you know, yeah. insight or what have you. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, one interesting thing, that that is a really amazing point because it does take time, right? It'll take you three to four years to get that degree. And in three to four years, you know, something might change completely the, the, the need for it. And um, having data science degree now, like that would have meant that you thought about it hard enough and that's exactly what you're passionate about to doing it. And, um, a lot of the times you will follow the trends. Okay. Oh, attorney's making a lot of money. Let, let's, let me go and be an attorney. Well, you've taken yourself out of the pool for two years. Right. right. Um, so yeah, there's going to be demand for it now, but maybe two years down the road, it might be a little different. And I've seen a lot of people that, you know, they went for what they thought was going to be great. And then they come out all graduated, but there's no jobs. And there's a lot of people with bachelors that couldn't find a job. So they were like, Oh, let me go get a master's taking yourself out of the equation again. And then after you got your master's, well, I still can't find a job in the area that I thought was going to be awesome. So some of the things that help can help people is to be subscribed to um, knowledge that people share, like for example, foresight 
tells you, okay, what are going to be the hot jobs in the next 10 years? Well, that puts you on a path of, you know, either a better thought because now you know what's going to be hot in the next 10 years or the next five years. And so you have to see the trend of where technology is going because there's so much automation now and data science is helping with that automation. There's machine learning, super hot AI is dependent on that machine learning. And so all of these things, it all comes down to, okay, where's technology going? Because 10 years from now, I couldn't do all of this stuff on my phone that I can do now. And that's also helping because I just heard, I just read an article today that iOS 13 can now correct your eye positioning when you're doing FaceTime call. Because a lot of time when you're doing a FaceTime call, you're looking at the screen and not the camera. So your eyes, and a lot of people when they're taking selfies, right, they're looking at the screen. And you can tell from those selfie photos that they're looking at the screen and not the camera. And I have, you know, I have to make that judgment whenever I'm taking a selfie. But with iOS 13, they're already fixing that with with augmented reality. They're shifting where your eyes are supposedly looking at from down to up where the camera is supposed to be. I know. To me, that's I installed on my iPad Pro, which is actually my primary work device. Like I do 90% of um, yeah. what I do on an yeah. iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. And I installed the iOS 13 public beta. Yeah. And then a few hours later, <laughs> reverted back to iOS 12. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, the most useful thing was um, the ability to use a mouse like that. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited about that. That's I'll, a pretty I'll good one. Until yeah, no, no. it's uh, officially released. And it'll still be beta quality software, but yeah, hopefully not as bad as what I um, loaded on my device. I totally agree. Um so but, you know this. Uh, let me uh, jump in. Yeah, absolutely. This, this feature you were talking about mm-hmm. is perhaps one of the most fascinating features because I mean, there's so many uh, little interesting aspects to it. I spend a lot of time on video calls with my clients. Mm-hmm. What I do these days is not copywriting. It looks a lot more like uh, advisory services. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on the iPad. It's most convenient for me if that's in landscape orientation, which puts the camera on the left side of yeah. the, on the left edge. I had thought, I mean, I, this issue is always on my mind um, because the perception of me not making eye contact with someone I'm trying to help and mm-hmm. connect with. Yeah. I, I wonder how, is that jarring for them? Do they, do they just sort of mentally compensate for the lack of eye contact because they know, well, yeah. you know, we're on a computer and well, if you look at the camera, you're not really seeing the other person's face. Yeah. Or is it disruptive? I thought the solution to all of this would be that they would find some way to embed the camera basically in the middle of the screen. Yeah. Like somehow behind the screen. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought that would solve the eye contact problem. I had didn't think at all about, you know, some uh, them using their augmented reality mm-hmm. capacity to solve it. Yeah. And it's fascinating. I don't know if it's going to work while well, I'm usually on zoom, not FaceTime. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm, the camera is not above where I'm making eye contact. It's to the left of. 
Yeah. I don't know if it'll work in that situation, but it's just a fascinating thing. And then you realize, wait, there, this person is no longer looking at a, a sort of a relatively unprocessed video feed of me. They're now, there's now this layer of processing. What else could that do? Mm -hmm. You know, um, will, will there someday be a video chat application that, um, kind of is like the HR person in elite, that movie Elysium, where it's just like this <laughs> robot and, you know, it's completely divorced from any reality. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just it kind of gets your mind spinning with all these uh, possibilities of what might be. It's really a fascinating feature. Yeah. But dark mode doesn't have that kind of fascinating future possibility built no. into it. It doesn't. Oh, it's, it's a not. nice feature. <laughs> no, absolutely. So they had. So that's funny because what's interesting is, sure, they did not talk about this um, attention correction in FaceTime on the keynote because a lot of people are not going to buy the device just for that reason. And right. they're like, "Oh, dark mode is going to increase your battery life." Well, that's the feature we're going to talk about. Really? I, I didn't watch the keynote, so I didn't watch it either. I just I just um went through the Yeah, but you paid quick, more attention to it than a little, me. A little more <laughs> a little attention. Yeah. Um I was I was pretty upset that I didn't get to watch the the live one this time around. Because I, I, I watch it religiously every year or whenever they have a keynote. Mm-hmm. So the interesting point you mentioned about, you know, having to look directly in the camera when you're doing your Zoom calls. Yeah. And what I've done, I've got a, so I'm, I use the desktop to Zoom calls. And when, I, when I'm doing the video, I have the camera because I can move the camera around. It's a portable one. I can put it right in the middle of the screen and then, and then align the, the video window, yeah. the video window behind the camera. So it feels like I'm looking <laughs> directly into the camera. I've done that too. And I've got a little tabletop. Yeah. Uh, it's not a tripod. It's like a light stand, but same mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Put yeah. the camera on that and then positioned it so that it's, and you know, now the camera is like blocking that person's yeah, it is. part of their video. <laughs> yeah. But I've done that. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, I designed, I mean, designed, I thought about uh, creating some sort of like periscope type mm-hmm. device that would. Ooh. Uh, kind of in the place where you want to be looking in order to have the appearance of solid eye contact, but then mm-hmm. the camera is actually located elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I've just, like I've spent an inordinate amount of time on the, this issue that I think most people are like, why do you care? You yeah. <laughs> but it's because I'm trying to make the most of the way I've chosen to work, which is. Yeah. Remote. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really interesting and then there, there goes Apple and they fix it for <laughs> They fix it for you. <laughs> no, it all comes down to, okay, if it's, it's attention correction and FaceTime, they'll have to have an AI. I'm sure, I'm sure they have, they're going to have an AR kit or AI kit available so then Zoom can tap into it. Because I think on Zoom, you can already do a virtual background if you're using mm-hmm. um, uh, any of the devices. So that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think about right. (laughs) Zoom uh, seems to be doing a lot of things right these days, so I expect they won't be far behind with some similar feature. Yeah, and then uh, I expect Skype to um, find fifty ways to screw it up or (laughs) themselves. They seem to be paid 
based on how many UI changes they can make in a given time period. That seems to be how they're compensated. <laughs> That's really, they're, they're, not, they're not looking too far ahead of what they're going to be. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, because if they had looked too far ahead, they probably would not never have gotten into the mobile device space. Because mm. remember, they had the Zune right after the iPad, the iPod, and then they had the Windows mobile phone. I mean, what's funny is my first phone, my first smartphone was a Windows mobile smartphone before the iPhone. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was running Windows. That's the one you were trying to hack and get. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that was, that was really interesting. I mean, Microsoft had done it right. They just didn't think too far ahead. Um, very cool. And and now yeah. they're, you know, now they've accepted Linux and, and I think most of their operating systems on the server side are running on in conjunction with Linux. So they've got some Linux code and you can like um, do bash terminals and windows. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Where they, Microsoft come. They have, um, embraced a like a really significant level of change and then mm-hmm. you know avoided most of the opportunities to screw that up which is impressive actually that is that is very true i mean and the one good thing they've got going on that they you know started back in 2000 was the xbox their the xbox is a marvel of innovation i mean the ability to network and play with other people it's just mind blowing, and mm. it took Sony some time to, you know, get on that bandwagon and uh, figure out the subscription model and whatnot to follow suit with um, Microsoft, as well as uh, some of the other gaming machines that were out there. I think Nintendo took some time as well to get there. But yeah, there's there's all you know. You you've got to see who's the leader who's doing the best. And that's what Apple's been doing. They're like, you know, we see how all of these MP3 players are working. There's a big piece missing. How are you managing, how are you managing this software? How are you managing all of your music collection? Right. So that was an innovation in itself, iTunes. And I think mm-hmm. iTunes going away with uh, the next version of Mac. Mm-hmm because they're breaking out podcasts and music apps separately. Yeah. It's interesting how this conversation just turned into an Apple conversation. <laughs> that was not where I thought we would go. <laughs> no, it's, it's mainly because it's, it's uh, something that like you and I both follow, you know, religiously in one effort or another. But when you mentioned, you know, people who stand in lines and I remember trying to get, home from work took me like an hour and then going and standing in line (laughs) to get that first iphone so and you were you you uh were one of the early adopters it sounds like that's right i am one of the first early adopters and then the next version um i got one for my wife as well it's like all right one for you one for me and i think for at least for three no at least for five, six years or seven years even, I've stood in line to get that first iPhone, you know, when it first 
was available in stores. And not at the Apple store. I would always go to the AT&T store because I knew the lines would be shorter hmm. and just get there early enough to not wait in the super long lines. And then I was super happy when they started doing the pre-orders and just mailing it to you at your home. I was like, all right, I don't have to go stand in line anymore. I've got kids. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that, you know, I'm fascinated by all this stuff mm-hmm. about how, how people, in, in, you know, create change or embrace or resist change. But I myself am not an early adopter. Mm-hmm. Um, I am somewhere in the, probably in the, the late part of the early majority or the early part of the late majority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's yeah. uh, adoption curve. And uh-huh. so that means I'm weirdly risk t- uh, seeking in some areas of my life and then weirdly risk avoiding in other areas. Yeah. So, I mean, probably installing the iOS 13 public beta is a good example of that. Yeah. yeah. Like I wanted to see if it was usable because if it was usable, I wanted to use it because it yeah. had you know, these few features that I just really highly desired. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to take six hours out of my day to no. stand in line for some new thing that yeah. if I wait three months, I can just have it show up in the mail. Exactly. I'm going to do that. So yeah. um, I'm this, I, I think somewhat unusual combination of attributes. Like mm-hmm. in some areas I'm just like, let's go, let's do something really crazy that may not work out. And in other yeah. areas I'm like, I want every guarantee that it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's, that's very true. And uh, I'm, so there's the waiting and getting something, you know, super early and figuring the kinks and then installing the beta software. I've done that in the past. And I was like, this year, I'm just going to skip it. And, uh, you know, and they even mentioned that, you know, this has to be like, do not put this operating system on your primary device. (laughs) You will screw something up. Yeah. And it's happened to me like, like, oh, I can't launch any of the apps that that I was using last week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, they're not ready. Like, you know, I just want, I, I have very little time for to be playing around you know with the limited hours that i have in a day i just want to be all all of them to be productive i didn't get on the apple bandwagon to be beta testing i I got on it so i could be productive because then it just feels like you're on a windows bus and (laughs) you have updates coming every day and yeah the same thing i think shows up when you're deciding you know, as a self-employed person who mm-hmm. provides services or expertise, yeah, you, you have to make that same decision. It's like, what are my services for? Are they for people who are going to get some um, benefit, maybe just emotional from being yeah. on the bleeding edge? Or are they for people like, maybe like you and I, mm-hmm. in that we just can't stand the idea of uh, losing time to figuring out half-baked beta features. Yeah. Um, I mean, both of those are are viable markets. Mm -hmm. They look different. You do everything different in terms of um, creating value for those markets, but they're both viable. And I guess the mistake is to try to serve both of them with the same thing because that just does not work. That is so true. That is so, so true. Now, 
one thing that I popped in my head earlier when we were talking about, you know, collecting data and figuring out what people would be doing in the next five years versus next week. Mm-hmm. I have been collecting some of that data from my guests. Now it, it's not specific to, you know, what they'll be doing, but it's specific to some of the things, some of the questions that I ask all of my guests. And I was thinking, what if I put that in the chart and put all the people that like certain type of movies in one area versus certain type of, you know, things in another area and then see, oh, you know, you guys will really like to talk because you both like this movie or mm-hmm. this superhero or stuff like that. That is the kind of thing you can do when you start building your own data set. And there's just so many ways you can do that. You know? Yeah. A very simple three question survey. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, a very in depth two hour conversation that yeah. you have repeatedly where the structure of the conversation is similar enough mm-hmm. that, you know, look for patterns. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're doing with this yeah, podcast. Yeah. That's what I'm doing essentially with that. this podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One question is um, I have that, that, um, pushes or you know is that i keep thinking about is you know what is some of the motivation for things that you do or things that people do so how about yourself well the motivation is you know it's a mixture of things like i i do want to have um you know an interesting career Mm -hmm. i want to do work that i find interesting yeah i think you know, I, I sort of burned some ships when I landed on the shores of self-employment and um, I wasn't super good at it to start out with, but um, I realized there was this potential for it to be interesting in a way that I, I never found working for somebody else interesting in that same way. So I think I just sort of fully committed to that. So for me, sometimes that's, you know, in, in the motivation of what drives me that creates this trade-off between like immediate success, like I, we were talking about earlier. Yeah. If you want immediate success, there are ways to do that. But I do think also about the trade-offs that are inherent in that because usually you're doing something that's kind of been figured out a little bit. Yeah. And what I want to do is contribute new knowledge or new ways of, seeing things to, to what exists already. So that necessarily involves figuring out a different challenge. How do you keep money coming in to, to whatever degree you're looking for? And yeah. I've realized that what I'm looking for is, is above average in terms of <laughs> business revenue. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, well, I just have to accept that that's what I want. Um, I'm not going to voluntarily put myself on an austerity program. So I got to figure out how I, how can I, you know, stay interested, um, be breaking new ground and also meeting financial goals. Cause you can, you know, break new ground on your own Yeah. without the discipline of doing something the market will pay for. And th- that I think might be easier than the other, which is break new ground in a way that the market will pay for. That seems to add an extra layer of challenge. Mm-hmm. So um, 
you know, that seems to be part of what motivates me is figuring out that challenge. And it is something you, I think you can get the idea that other people have figured it out very quickly. Yeah. Because of that 10 year overnight success thing. And because of how the uh, media and the press like to portray those stories. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, there's this weird thing, not to take us on too much of a tangent, but yeah. if it takes me 15 minutes to read, you know, like a New Yorker or a New York Times profile of someone who has accomplished something impressive, yeah. then there's this sort of distortion where it feels like it just took them 15 minutes to accomplish that because it only took me 15 minutes to read about it. <laughs> and I know that's like a weird thing. That's very interesting. But I think it's a real effect. And so it's hard for me to feel the weight, the emotional weight of the fact that that was a 10-year journey for them. And I think all of us are subject to that effect. And I don't don't know if it's a known thing. I don't know if it just exists in my head. I don't know if it has a name. But there's this distortion where Mm -hmm. the success story and you're like, now you start judging yourself in in an unfair way. Yeah. Like, why am I not further along, even though I'm three years into this and not 10 or 15 or whatever. Yeah. And so it can become discouraging to compare yourself. It's a little bit of that comparing your insides to someone else's outsides thing. Yeah. So, you know, all that <clears throat> is a part of this thing of like saying, well, um, yeah, there's lots of buckets out there I could fit myself into. That's not what I want. I want to make my own bucket and to own that bucket. And there's a lot of things you have to figure out along the way as you're doing that. That's, that's an excellent point. I mean, and that's, that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly where I have been in the past few months. And uh, I, I, I figured this out last year. I was like, you know, I don't want to be working for anybody anymore. I want to be my own. I want to do my own thing. I have all this knowledge. I have all this experience that I can put into use and build something. And, and what, what validates you and I trying to do that is that there's hundreds of other people that are already doing it. Like it's not, it's not something that's in the fairy tale. It's been yeah, done, right? right? It's right. not a fairy. Yeah. It's been done already. Um, am I following those same steps that they've taken? Maybe, maybe not. And uh, one yeah. thing that opened up my mind a lot more was, you know, reading Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crushing It. And there's so many stories in there. And like you said, you know, you read a 15 minutes you know, your story in 15 minutes and you, you discover their 10 year right. you know, struggle and you're like, whoa, yeah. it did that in 10 years. Why can't I do it in two or one? Right, exactly. It's, it's pretty crazy how that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I am just really fascinated by this idea that for for some subset of the human population, yeah, just fitting into somebody else's bucket is not enough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm envious mm-hmm. of the the sort of personality that is is fine with that, yeah, because it does seem easier sometimes. 
but what can you do? You know, we're, we're wired the way we're well, wired. Exactly. Well, that was, that was some great stuff, man. I loved it. I do have some questions that I asked my guests at the end of the, towards the end of the interview. I feel ready. Let's Sorry? do it. I awesome. feel ready. Let's do it. Awesome. So what is one hobby that you wish you got into? Well, I have an answer and I'm doing something about my answer. So uh, mountain biking is, nice. is the answer. Um, my it. wife and I have just moved to Taos, New Mexico, which mm -hmm. is in the mountains, about 7,000 feet elevation. Mm -hmm. We're still adjusting to the yeah. altitude. Um, but there's a lot of really cool mountain biking here. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not on the level that some of the spots and well, I mean, we're at the Southern end of the Rockies, so it's probably comparable to Colorado for folks mm -hmm. who don't know. Yeah. Different than like Southern Utah, which is also like a sort of intense mountain biking experience. Some really intense stuff there. So we've uh, ordered some, some bikes and we're going to, going to try it. Um, when I lived in Portland, Oregon, I biked everywhere. I had, nice. uh, had a couple bikes and, mm -hmm. So I biked a lot more then, and then we moved to some places that were not biking friendly and got rid of the bikes. Yeah. I've never done mountain biking per se. I've had a mountain bike that I've ridden on the road. Sure. So I'm looking forward to, um, you know, a little rougher, wilder experience. Nice. That's going to be so much fun. Uh, the mountain biking experience I've had um, back in uh, Colorado is we went to Vail. Mm -hmm. They take us up to the top and we just downhill bike. You know, it's, it's oh, much wow. more fun <laughs> than actually climbing that 10,000 feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, my, my brother-in-law has been a mountain biker for many, many years and, and uh, it's, it's a lot of awesome experience. Actually yesterday he tried going biking and it was so humid. He's like, I bonked. I couldn't continue. <laughs> it was just too much. He's like, I finished two water bottles, ate all these dates, and I still, still, I just couldn't. He came it's back. The opposite problem here. Yeah, opposite problem. In the summer, hot and so uh, very low humidity, which is also pretty taxing on your system. Yeah, it is. Cool, awesome hobby, man. I love it. What is your favorite movie or TV show? And if none of if you don't have a favorite TV or movie show. How about a book? It's been a while, but um, My Dinner with Andre is one of my favorite movies ever. It's weird. It's it's almost like, um, you know, these the two actors. I mean, there's some other sort of supporting actors, but it's really just uh, Wallace Shawn and this other guy, Andre something. I don't remember his last name. Mm -hmm. Having dinner and having a conversation. Uh, that's basically the movie. So, wow. um, I mean, in terms of plot, <laughs> there's not much there, but <laughs> it's just exploring all these things that have some overlap with my life, like these sort of weird, um, expressions of spirituality or, mm. um, or art and the ideas of art and, but really also making fun of each of those things. Yeah. Um, it's not the kind of movie that would get any budget today at all. I think mm -hmm. I, I just don't think you could make this movie today, but it, I just think it's wonderful. 
Nice. TV show, there's this uh, series that I think it's on Amazon Prime called Patriot that okay. um, I just, I've, I think I, re- I rewatched the whole thing. So I've seen nice. it twice now, which is rare for me. I mean, it's rare for me to commit to an entire TV series anyway. Yeah. And, uh, even more rare for me to go back and watch it again because I thought it was so good. Nice. Um, it's not for everybody, <laughs> <laughs> which you can probably guess from my, my favorite movie. No, no, absolutely. But it's about this uh, this guy who is suffering PTSD and depression mm-hmm. and uh, doing a very important covert um, mission for the U.S. government. Just super fascinating stuff. Very cool. Very cool. I will have to check out the movie because I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. And Patriot sounds pretty pretty interesting. Is it just two episodes or... Oh, it's two two seasons. Two seasons, so, right, right, right. Whatever, eight, ten episodes per season, something like that. Okay, and is it continuing, or it looks like it is? I believe they are going to have a third, uh, although I don't think they've announced that officially. But my sense is though there'll be a third um, yeah. season. Definitely, favorite sci-fi TV show would be The Expanse. Nice, Expanse is good too. Yeah. All right, what? movie would you choose if you got to play a character in? Hmm. Probably my dinner with Andre. (laughs) (laughs) So you get to have dinner with Andre. Right. Yeah. Um, That's the question. Do I, am I Andre or am I Wallace Shawn in that movie? Uh, You know, like physical attributes aside, um, like, like which, set of like life experiences what i want to embody and that's that's a tough one i'm not sure i could choose well that's the question what character would you play okay well i don't get a free pass and i (laughs) I mean i have a 50 percent chance of making a choice i regret (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) so i guess i choose uh andre gregory i think is the the name. yeah awesome all right a couple more questions. Who is your favorite superhero? If you're into that kind of things, you know, I was, uh, this is a, one of the things in your prep that I really mm-hmm. spent some time thinking about. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be, uh, uh, Max from the Mad Max movies, uh, particularly Fury Road, because he's, he's a survivor. Mm. He's kind of quiet. Doesn't, uh, call, any attention to himself if he can help it. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that's, that kind of resonates for me. Um, and I, you know, maybe folks don't think of him as a superhero. Like mm-hmm. that's something I was thinking about. I'm like, I just don't connect emotionally with yeah. these characters who have like superhuman powers. Mm-hmm. But I do with yeah, Max Rokotowski or whatever his last name is. Um, <laughs> because he has this almost superhuman uh, level of endurance and ability to survive. And maybe that is a sort of negative fatalistic view of business, but I do think that's an important quality is um, I, I think the folks who are successful towards the, the middle and end of their careers are successful because they've survived. Yeah. And that's not to take away from whatever else makes them successful, but I think that survival um, 
pieces is just critical. Mm-hmm. They've just had an ability to survive longer than others. They've just outlasted others. Yeah, that's true. Fantastic. All right. Last question. If you were a board game, what, what would it be? Um, I think anything that involves <clears throat> like uh, patterns being part of the success. So Tetris. Tetris, okay. Was it Connect 4? Was that the sort of physical yeah, thing where you're dropping so. um, these things like checkers into a grid? Yeah, I mean, um, again, those are games. They're not specifically a board game. Oh, that's true. Like Scrabble yeah. or Monopoly or Risk or some, you know, some that that road. <laughs> well, based on the name, I guess that would be Risk. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long. I may have played that once or twice a long time ago. Yeah. So uh, let's go with Risk since that's a board game. Sorry, awesome. I, I keep uh, trying to. Um, step outside the lines of your questions. No problem. It's all, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. Well, where can my audience find you if they wanted to get in touch with you? I'd send them to my website, philipmorganconsulting.com. I should probably see if I can get the, the misspelled version of that, at least according to my parents, which would have two L's in it. Yeah. Um, the way my parents spelled it is with one L and I've carried on that tradition. So it's P H I L I P M O R G A N. And then the word consulting.com. Perfect. Well, Philip, it was really awesome talking with yeah. you. This was, this was a very intense conversation and, um, I'm looking forward to those Google surveys. I mean, I think those would be super interesting to take a look at i'm and, gonna give uh, that some real thought that like i yeah. think that maybe does I, I i didn't think that belonged on my research agenda mm-hmm. when i first had the thought yeah but now that we've talked it through um it seems like it could be pretty interesting mm-hmm. because you know it I, I don't know maybe others have already answered i need to do a literature review maybe others have answered the question yeah maybe. anyway junaid <laughs> i've got to talk i'm glad i could bring some intensity to it um, absolutely to to match yours and thank you for thank having you. me absolutely thank you so much Philip. have a great rest of your day talk you to you too. soon bye bye thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on hacks and hobbies we absolutely appreciate your contribution you can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today.